1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoke and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
2: I thought in that moment, oh my God
0: Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio and I love all things tech. And I am currently hard at work on an episode that's about cybersecurity, cyber warfare, AI, the AI arms race, China. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of different parts. This is largely brought on because recently the Pentagon's chief software officer resigned and in the process left a very angry and detailed list of grievances that led to his decision to resign. So I'm working on an episode that really dives into all of that and explains what the landscape is, what the concerns are, kind of tries to examine how realistic certain threats are or whether there might be other mitigating factors. As it turns out, these things get very, very complicated, not just because of the technology, but because the way the rest of the world works, like we can't divorce technology from the way things happen in the world. Right. I mean, they obey the same sort of restrictions that the rest of us do. So anyway, long story short, too late. Uh, I'm still working on that piece. I want to make sure that it's as good as I can possibly make it before I publish it. So in the spirit of that piece, I thought we could listen to a classic episode of Tech Stuff. This one published way back on June 17th, 2009, and it is titled Are We in Cyber War? So this episode is more than a decade old. It's with me and my original co-host, Chris Pellett. And we just have this discussion. And it's interesting to go back and listen to this because obviously things have progressed a lot since 2009. The cyber threats have grown significantly since 2009. They were already significant then, but they're even more so now. So I think it's a great starting point to kind of say, here's where we were more than a decade ago. And then that'll lead into what will be Friday's episode, which will be the deeper dive on the current landscape, why people in positions of authority uh, in different tech departments within the United States are concerned, and what's going on with China and whether or not that's going to have uh, a long-lasting impact. So let's go and listen to this classic episode. And I'll be back at the end to kind of chat a little bit more before we wrap up. Enjoy.
3: Unfortunately, we have some serious things to talk about.
0: Actually, we have some pretty scary stuff to talk about. This, this I think, is even scarier than our zombie computers and Halloween shows combined. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I, think. I think so. Okay. So we're going to talk today about Cyber War. Arg. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> It's not pirate war. Oh, <laughs> cyber war. Well, cyber war. So we're you know we're not talking about Tron here. You know. No.
3: Um. Which, Nor are we talking about War Games.
0: No. Both of which are awesome movies. Yes. So put them to the top of your Netflix queue. Um. No. We're talking about using computers to either spy upon or sabotage or otherwise uh, inflict some sort of harm upon a nation. Um, and this can be done by one of a dozen different entities. That's the that's one of the scary things about cyber war. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? So in classic warfare, you know, usually you, you you would talk about two different nations or perhaps two different factions within a nation mm-hmm. fighting one another. Pretty easy to identify who the the parties involved are, right? Normally, yeah, it's the guys shooting at you, right? And right. normally they
3: have you know uniforms of some kind on. So, right. you know, not to shoot your own guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some general little rules that make it easier to know which guys are the ones you're supposed to be shooting. Um, cyber war is not quite that clean cut. Nope. The the problem with cyber war is that the attacks can come from anywhere. They can come from another country. They can come from patriots within another country that are acting on their own. They could come from uh, uh, essentially a mercenary, a hacker that's hired to do this sort of thing. Um, that could come from someone who's just trying to cause mischief and they don't have any other motives. Uh, so th- it's an attack that can come from another country or that it can come from within the country that is being attacked. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about uh, sort of a, a cyber terrorism in a way. Yeah.
3: And as a matter of fact, um, it could be somebody sitting in his jammies in his living room. Yep. With and the computer, you know, it doesn't need to be somebody out. You know, skulking around the streets,
0: or uh, you know, somewhere in a foxhole. Heck, it could be someone parked in your driveway hacking into your Wi-Fi. Good point. I mean, it's that's why we're talking about how scary this is. It's um, and and uh, on another level, it's also scary because it takes so little, relatively speaking, to uh, to perform an effective cyber attack. Now, when you're talking about a traditional attack on from one nation on to another, you're talking about Billions of dollars worth of, of, uh, equipment, of, um, of personnel, uh, you know, the things that have to go behind a a war machine. I mean, we're, that's a huge investment. When you're talking about cyber attacks, you're talking about, you know, a computer Mm -hmm. and a computer connection. And, you know, you might have a couple of other little bells and whistles to help you along, but you really, you don't necessarily need it if you know what you're doing and you have the right software. So. It's one of those things where for a very low, small, uh, entrance fee, I guess you could say, you could have a huge, huge impact.
3: As a matter of fact, your computer could be used to carry out a cyber attack. If, if, yes. If you've, uh, if you've installed some kind of malware, like a virus or a worm that, uh, can turn your machine into a zombie, someone else can direct your computer to, uh, to send email on a denial of service attack. Which basically floods, um, floods computers with spam and other, uh, and other requests, if you will, for information. The thing is, that doesn't require any cost on the part of, uh, on the part of the attacker at all because all the machines are essentially donated, you know, from somebody else.
0: Right. And the, and to make matters worse, uh, when, when anyone in authority tries to trace the source of the attack, they might come to your computer and never find the person who, actually infected your computer in the first place. So then you become the person of interest, the person who's under suspicion for committing an attack. And the whole time you were completely unaware. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's another big, big issue with the cyber warfare problem. Even when you can detect an attack and trace it back, you can never be a 100% sure that the last place you you trace it back to is in fact the original spot of the attack. -hmm. Because there are these, you know, there's, there are things like proxy sites. There are these zombie computers where there's always the possibility that there's one more link you haven't found yet that will take you back even further. So that's, uh, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you were to detect, say, an attack and you say, well, we've traced it back to China, you can never be sure that, that the Chinese government was behind it. It could have been patriots in China who had the same sort of goals as the government of China but were acting on their own. Or it could have even been a, a people in a totally different country that just managed to use proxy sites in China to fool you into thinking that's where the attack came from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's really insidious. Um, and you might wonder, well, how, how vulnerable are we? To these sort of attacks. And it, I guess it really depends on which system you're talking about. Because, um, you know, the Internet is a network of networks, right?
3: Right. So any given network uh, or any given computer could be the weak spot. Right. You know, and, and there are just tons of computers as part of the Internet. You know, every time your computer is hooked up for Internet access, you become part of this giant cloud. Right. Um, so uh, and then the really sophisticated crackers, those are the really nasty hackers. Those are the ones who can find ways to manipulate a network in ways that, uh, you know, most people don't think of.
0: Right. And and to give you an idea of how vulnerable certain systems can be, uh, back in 1997, there was a, a secret experiment. The Department of Defense commissioned it. It was called Eligible Receiver. I remember that. Yeah, this is a this was a, a kind of an eye opener. Um, now a lot of Eligible Receiver, a lot of that mission remains classified, so we don't know all the details. But what we do know is that part of the the uh, experiment involved getting a group of hackers together, giving them some very basic computing uh, hardware and software. And telling them to try and, and uh, break their way into the Pentagon's computer system. And it took them three days mm-hmm. using basic computers and basic software. Uh, three days f- just for regular hackers. Th- these aren't necessarily the people who are – who have a, a you know a, an actual motive to break into the Pentagon other than the fact that they're part of an experiment, right? Right. It's not like they have a government breathing down their neck saying we need access to this information. Uh, so – that's that's pretty sobering to think that within three days, one of the nation's most important computing systems was compromised, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though it was an inside job and an experiment.
3: Right. Well, they uh, – there have been attempts to shore that up yes. since then. And, yes. And in fact, um, they conduct – regular uh exercises yeah in order to do that. In fact there was one not that long ago. Mm. Every year they uh there are students from Army, Navy, uh Air Force and the Coast Guard and Merchant Marine, as well as the Naval Postgraduate Academy and the Air Force Institute of Technology. And uh basically it's it's uh undergrads okay. who are given the opportunity to uh defend themselves from an attack by the NSA. Mm. Um and uh every year they, they undergo this experiment and, uh, West Point held out the longest and they, the army got to defend their title, but, um, they, uh, they were using Linux computers. Mm. Um, but this is apparently a normal thing. Um, the defense department is only graduating 80 students a year from schools of cyber war in the United States, according to the New York Times article that I read about it. Um, and if you're wondering, this is the 57th information aggressor squadron. They're based in Nellis Air Force Base.
0: Wow. And they are,
3: yep, yeah, they are, they are, they make a point of, of doing this test every year. And, um, you know, they, uh, it's one of those things where they are making a conscious effort to attack and defend, uh, computer networks. And apparently the, uh, you know, the nerds are nerds everywhere, even at West Point um according to the way according to the the way the article was written they get a little ribbing for being the the geeks of the group but even the uh you know the the future officers that graduate from there n- know the importance of the uh the computer network because sure. that's one of the very first things they do they're about to deploy these guys to Afghanistan as a matter of fact and the first thing they're going to do is set up a secure internet connection mm-hmm. and they have to be ready to defend themselves against Denial of, the, uh, denial of service attacks sure. and, uh, and other attacks. So, I mean, they're, they're coming right out of the service academies with knowledge of uh, how to attack and to protect um, computer networks, military computer networks.
0: There's a bit more to go with our conversation about the, uh, the state of cyber war in this classic episode. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break.
2: Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber. Live like a name Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and hypergig for details.
0: Usually, we call those sort of uh, exercises red team attacks, mm-hmm. um, where a, a group is is designated. To play the part of an um, adversary. Mm -hmm. That's the red team. And the red team's job is to, is to achieve their goals by whatever means necessary. So in other words, you know, you're not supposed to necessarily follow a certain protocol or rules. You're supposed to be inventive and creative and try and find new ways to to really uh, compromise or defeat the other team mm-hmm. and um because that's exactly what the enemy is going to do mm-hmm. you know the enemy is not going to play by rules necessarily especially if you're talking about enemies that you can't predict i mean they may not even be directly involved with uh, any other government or or official agency right so um and and uh, you know we government websites and our government web servers and and systems aren't the only targets uh, one of the big targets in the United States, and it's been in the news quite a bit over the, the spring of 2009, is the electric grid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, part of the problem with that is that systems like the electric grid and, and some water and fuel systems are using, um, using the software that, that directly ties into hardware. And if you just change a few settings, you can cause catastrophic damage. To the, the equipment. Um, there was a, a video that was on CNN for a while where, uh, some, uh, some electric, uh, utility experts showed that with just a couple of tweaks, you could completely destroy a generator by changing some settings through the computer system. And mm-hmm. they, they essentially turned a generator into a pile of scrap metal. Wow. Um, yeah. It was very sobering to me to see that because not that long ago, the, News broke out that the United States electric grid, certain parts of it anyway, uh, has been under attack by some cyber spies over the last several years. And, and they don't really know who it is, right? Right, right. Yeah. They've traced them back mostly to China and Russia. But again, um, both China and Russia deny that they had anything to do with it. But I mean,
3: of course, wouldn't you? <laughs>
0: the thing is, it, it you know
3: those countries are are gradually becoming more and more uh, computer centric. Right. And it, you know, it could be anybody. It could be, right. you
0: know. It could, it could be that they the are directly involved. Um, or it could be that it's, uh, groups of, of individuals within those countries. Or like we said, it could even be that the attacks are ultimately originating somewhere else, but we're only able to trace them back as far as Russia and China. True enough. See, so that's the, that's the other issue with the internet is that it is a global entity. And so law enforcement officials only have so much authority to pursue cyber attacks mm-hmm. you know they they can cross over borders easily on the internet but law enforcement can't mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have the authority to pursue an investigation beyond the borders of you know whatever their jurisdiction is so that also makes life much more complicated when you're talking about fending off uh, cyber warfare attacks
3: yeah you know uh, it wasn't even that long ago that uh, some countries were complaining of real cyber attacks launched on their inner infrastructure right uh like estonia yes not too long ago mm-hmm. and uh they were blaming the russians for that right. attack but that was back in in 2007 all those years ago yeah
0: <laughs> all those both years ago yeah
3: <laughs> well you know they say that uh, internet time is sort of like dog years it's about so that would make it about 14 years ago yeah right in, in internet i guess time. so
0: i guess so um, yeah, and then of course there's the example of the Dalai Lama's office, mm-hmm. uh, the the Tibetan office that was. Um, uh, they knew they were being watched. Right. Uh, they they were absolutely certain that their systems had been compromised, um, and they hired a, a Canadian firm to investigate. And the Canadian firm found that indeed there there were uh, programs installed upon the Dalai Lama's uh, computer systems, mm-hmm. and that. It appeared to be uh, uh, coming from an offshore island off the coast of uh, uh, China, Mm -hmm. and the software even included um, controls that would allow people on the other end to activate audio and video software. Um, and hardware so that they could turn on, if the computer had a webcam or a microphone, they could turn it on and turn it into a remote listening station. Hmm. So they could actually spy on the goings on of these offices remotely. Wow. Um, so, I mean, this is a very real problem worldwide. It's not just something that we have to worry about in the United States or, or, you know, any other specific nation. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much if, if you have computers, there's a good chance there's another party somewhere that's really interested in finding out what you know and what you don't know and what you're up to.
3: Yep. And um, there's there's even another component to it that uh, I know we were going to stick uh, mainly to talking about how you could use computers to launch computer attacks. Mm-hmm. But um, another facet of this that I, I think is interesting was um, sort of relates to a blog post I wrote in early April Um on the tech stuff blog that, that talked about the Moldovan uh, pro-democracy protesters mm-hmm. and they weren't launching computer attacks, but what they were doing was using uh, social networking sites like Twitter and Facebook to coordinate their efforts, sort of like flash mobs. They could go ahead and, and use computer networks like those and uh, text messaging to, Discuss where and when they were going to organize and meet and, and hold a demonstration. Sure. So that's, um, I mean, that's, you know, relying on the network staying up and rather than taking them down. But, um, I just, it's just kind of funny because, you know, you don't think of, you think of Facebook and Twitter as something we use for fun or or to, to keep up with people. And, um, just another way that you can use them to actually, I mean, those could, those could just as well have been used to hold a violent, you know, attack on someone, say, you know, meet at this corner at 140 in the afternoon, uh, you know, and have everybody show up and start fighting. Well, if the uh, law enforcement is unaware of it or the the military forces are unaware of it, you know, that could be a, a devastating attack and it could be used by virtually anybody.
0: Chris and I have a bit more to say about cyber war in general, and we'll get to that after this quick break. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some
2: straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time, time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove and that was a full episode of my new podcast Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber. Live like a giggillionaire. Gu- Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and hypergig for details.
0: The dangers of these attacks go beyond just damaging a network or shutting down a system. Um, one of the big uh, fears that that a lot of security uh, folks have is that what if you were to coordinate a physical attack? With a cyber attack, mm-hmm. so what if you were to target a major city and first you bring down the city's uh, power grid through a cyber attack, and then you couple that with an actual physical attack, like bombs or or, or whatever, right? And that um, together, that would cause a real panic because suddenly you have an entire population that that doesn't have access to. Um, information the way they normally would. Mm-hmm. And yet there is obviously chaos going on. And, uh, that, that really is the, you know, true definition of terrorism there. You're, you're inspiring terror in the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, now, would this be nationwide? Probably not. Uh, for one thing, the electric grid is really much a, pretty much a regional kind of thing. Sure. Um, but it's something that every region could theoretically be vulnerable to without the right, uh, security measures in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, now that sort of attack obviously would have to come from a much more organized group. Um, it would have to come from a country or organization that had a, a strong financial backing to be able to fund the physical side of the attack. Right. Um, so that, that narrows down the list of, of possible suspects who could do that, but it's still within the realm of possibility. And it's one of those things that, you know, keep security people up at night. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, I, I'm really not
3: certain what we're going to be able to do short of pulling all the plugs, um, to make it, uh, an imp a complete and an utter impossibility that they could carry out those kinds of attacks because, um, it's just going to re- require constant monitoring and, and searching for vulnerabilities. That's why the, uh, the efforts of those who are, um, participating in those, um, those computer security uh war games, if you will. Right. Um, they're they're so important because they're searching, they're actively searching for those vulnerabilities in the system and try, you know, to try to find ways to patch them up before they can be hacked into. But um you know, I think that any time that you update those systems, you're gonna open up new vulnerabilities and new problems. And you know, it's just one of those things where the the people who whose job it is to uh, pay attention to it are just going to have to stay constantly vigilant yeah. to prevent something like that from happening.
0: And and it is even more complicated when you think that, you know, not every system runs on the same software or operating system or whatever. So some of them are proprietary and uh and and so you might find something that works as a great security measure for one system, but mm-hmm. it's not at all applicable to any other. So it is a huge challenge. I mean, well, what's the response to that? Do you go ahead and try and standardize everything so that hopefully the same measures will work across the board? Because if you do that and someone does find a vulnerability, suddenly they've got a vulnerability that works across all systems. Right. So, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a double-edged sword and it's, it's, there are no easy answers. We've got people who are way smarter than I am working on this. Um, and I wish them the best. Yeah, because this is, this is scary stuff. Now, are we all in danger of something like this happening anytime soon? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not, I'm not staying up at night worrying the next day about that's going to be the day when the cyber war attack is going to happen. Right. But it's, I mean, it is possible. It's just not necessarily something that, you know, that I'm going to have to worry about on a day to day basis.
3: Well, the more systems come online, Um, in more places around the world, I think it's going to be, it becomes sort of like, you know, aerial assaults were after, you know, that became a real possibility in the 20th century. It's, it's going to be something that uh, a well planned military strategy is going to include. You know, you got your ground troops, you know, air, sea, and internet. Yeah. Anything that can take down the the computer network, the computer, the um, communications network. The power grid all at one time, if you can do that, then, you know, you'll panic the citizenry and that just gives you a better chance.
0: I can pretty much guarantee that just about every modern nation in the world has some sort of plan like that in place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can also guarantee that they're not going to share that because that kind of defeats the purpose of the plan. Yeah. But, you know,
3: my internet connection goes down plenty
0: without (laughs) anybody attacking it. So, And I occasionally lose power if I sneeze too hard. So (laughs) – or maybe I black out. It's one of the two. <laughs> Either way.
3: All right then. I'm done. I, I'm yeah. I've, that's all I have that okay. I can divulge to the public.
0: That wraps up that classic episode of tech stuff. Like I said, you know, a lot has happened in the the you know twelve years since we recorded that episode. Uh, things have have evolved dramatically. We have. All sorts of different threats we have to be aware of. Things like like uh, like supply chain threats, like we saw with the Solar Winds hack. That's just one example. So when Friday's episode publishes, I'll have a, a more full discussion about cybersecurity in general, as well as why are we seeing the the various departments within the United States Defense uh, Department. Lagging behind when it comes to cybersecurity, what might be done about it, how does China factor into it, and more. So, tune into Friday's episode for a deeper dive into all of that. I appreciate your patience. This means we will not have a classic episode on Friday. So, today was your classic episode. And uh, as always, if you have suggestions for topics I should cover in tech stuff, whether it's a specific technology, a trend, a company, maybe it's the history of a tech that you want to know more about, reach out to me on Twitter. The handle for the show is techstuffhsw, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to
1: your favorite shows. work. Zumo Play.